EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and the man that's on everybody's naughty list, the one that we call the notorious KFG, Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? I'm good, man. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm making out my, my, my wish list from Santa. Yeah, um, what, what are you wishing for? That's what I want to know. Well, um, I think I want a... Uh, Persona- uh, personality? Oh no, I've got that okay. to spare. I've got loads and loads of personality. You Charm. know that from being having to carry you for four years. Oh my god, um, carrying me. No, I want a, uh, I want a, uh, a Winchester thirty nine and thirty thirty, a little Woods rifle. I want a, uh, a Cimarron Arms or similar uh, single action army replica. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Sa- Santa isn't an armory. Santa doesn't come with armory. Oh yeah, yeah. Th- those elves don't. Those though. elves don't make guns up there. If you're if you're good enough, Santa brings you whatever you want. Well, that's good to know. And with that, I guess we can say there are 17 shopping days left till Christmas. And as we say every year, I know this year you'll be getting your dog a little something as well, won't you? Yes, I'm going to get Shine uh, some treats, and uh, I'm going to get Patty, uh, you know, something exciting to kill, since that's what seems to, to drive Patty these days. Oh, really? Uh, taste the oh, blood, yeah. does she? Oh man, that that dog is—he's he's not a dog. He's just a furry velociraptor. All right, good to know. Good to know. So, with that said, we talk about uh, velociraptor, whichever the heck that means. But um, you know, there was an interesting article, Kelly, that came out, and I sent it to you that I thought would be interesting to talk about. You know, we always talk about this kind of this rift between the field and the dispatch center and certainly i know that you have nothing but respect for your dispatchers and but this was an interesting article so it really kind of made me sit up and think that are there really people out there who think that our dispatchers aren't first responders but this was an article that came out on the 27th of november and there's a congresswoman out in california norma torres who previously worked as a 911 operator, and she wants to upgrade the status of 911 operators from clerical workers to first responders. And, you know, it was really kind of interesting to read this article to think that, are we not categorizing our dispatchers as first responders? And maybe from inside the career field, we have a different aspect, but before we even talk about the nuances of this, I wanted to just get your feedback on it. You're you're trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? The thoughts of this show have nothing to do with Inside EMS. They're strictly Kelly Grayson's. <laughs> I, 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 I want to preface everything that I say for the rest of this podcast by saying first that I love my dispatcher. 
I love both of them. They're wonderful people. They're, they're, they're fine human beings. They smell good and they're excellent dancers. I love my dispatcher. So please don't take what I say. Um, personally, I, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, rather taken aback that, that 911 operators are not already, um, considered public safety personnel or, or considered first responders. I don't think there's, uh, any question that uh, 911 dispatchers are part of the public safety system and, and why they're not categorized as such uh, was uh, a bit of a surprise to me. On the other hand, I, I'm not so sure that uh, uh, Representative Torres is, is really um, uh, on the mark when she, when she says that 911 dispatchers don't get the recognition and respect and, and benefits and training that uh, that others in the public safety sector do. I, I don't know that that is the case. Uh, usually, it's it's been uh, my experience has been just the opposite. Not only do they get um, uh, better benefits, but they're also substantially better paid uh, than their counterparts that, that work in on ambulances. At least it is that way in my system, and every system I have worked in. Um, I don't know how it works in California, but I, I could, you know, I, given Given the fact that 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 nine one one operators are not, uh, according to her, classified as public safety uh, and first responders, um, uh, I could get behind her her um, uh, I could get behind her her initiative to to try to get them reclassified. I, I would support that. You know, but are we do we really think? I mean, is it just outside the field? I mean, I have never heard anyone classify a dispatcher as a clerical worker. I mean, their job is, and you know, they they differ from system to system, of course. Classified dispatchers in many, many ways, uh, and and clerical worker would be one of the kinder things I've classified them. I mean, I think I think that's cute, but you know, when we think about the 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 work that they do, I mean, uh, and we have to separate certainly the the feeling of the field, the feeling of dispatch, Mm -hmm. and maybe this is something that we talk about as part of this, because I would think that you know one of the things that has to happen is we have to be able to create this unity between the field and between the dispatch center. Now I got to tell you, when I was in the field, you always were questioning, well, why the heck would they do that? And why are they sending us this way? And hey, isn't this person closer? And why the heck am I getting a late call at, you know, one hour before that's going to take me one hour over? I mean, we complain about those things. And one of the things that I've always found interesting, Kelly, is that the people who work in the field that then go into dispatch and they have to sit in front of those screens and make these decisions say, I finally get it. So as we now think about classifying or categorizing our dispatchers as first responders, I think that really could be just the start of where things need to go. And I'd be interested to know from your standpoint, how how we, how do you think that classifying dispatchers as first responders will make a difference for them? Well, I think that, that, um, certainly the, the stress of dispatching, um, is, is significant. Uh, I don't think anyone would argue the point that, that a, a 911 operator or an EMS or fire police dispatcher has a substantially more stressful job than just, uh, you know, a, a customer service rep on a, on a uh, helpline somewhere uh, or a receptionist answering, answering phone calls for a business. Uh, I, I think they're night and day. Um, they're not exposed to the, the, uh, the physical dangers 
that field uh, field personnel, firefighters, EMTs, and, and police officers are exposed to. Um, but you know, as far as as recognition and funding and making them exempt employees uh, uh, from from budgetary constraints, as as she outlined in her article. Uh, when they were when California was having having budgetary problems, she had to uh, had to go to bat uh, against uh, the governor to uh, to keep from cutting nine one one operators' jobs uh, to to fill those those budget gaps. Uh, I, I think reclassifying them in that regard, if it would stop that sort of thing, I'm all for it. Um, whether the the thing is 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 the reclassification in my mind. Um, is I don't we don't know what the what the unintended consequences are and, and and I say that with not by saying that you know dispatchers are going to get some sort of benefits to which they're not entitled but um, when we talk about say line of duty death de- benefits you know and, and and what classifies a line of duty death for police officers for EMS uh, workers for for firefighters. Uh, are we going to add dispatchers to that to that uh, that category? And and if so, how are we going to classify what is a line of duty injury? Um, if, if we're classifying mental health problems and, and stress, PTSD, depression, uh, that sort of thing, as a as a legitimate health issue, and we certainly should, uh, I would I would fully support dispatchers being part of that. Uh, the question is, is where you, you know, where you draw the lines classification wise as to as to what is an injury and, 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 and who is eligible for those benefits. Uh, otherwise, though, um, you know, I, I did not know that there is uh, and, and I'm not so sure that she's correct in this. She's talking about, you know, a national standard in training and and uh, training and education and, and uh, certification. And, and to my mind, I thought there already was such a thing. I, I I'm friends with a number of, of public safety uh, uh, and 911 operators that that are are nationally certified. Um, not to mention the the other you know the things like APCO and 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 Clawson's uh, uh, Clawson's uh, uh, medical priority dispatch system. You know their own uh, tier of of, uh, of certifications as well. Uh, I didn't realize that wasn't federally recognized, and I'm not so sure she's correct in that regard. I, I'd love for one of our listeners to uh, to to clarify that for me. So if you're a, if you uh, are a 911 operator, uh, fill us in on what national certifications there are and what national uh, standards there are for for uh, uh, operators. Well, certainly, you, you, as you mentioned. Uh, priority dispatch does come with a certification. You have to be certified in priority dispatch. And one of the things, you know, we're, we're not certainly touting one dispatch system over another. Yeah. And, you know, uh, priority dispatch just happens to be one that is uh, nationally, actually internationally recognized now. But one of the things that I think is interesting is that a lot of times, uh, and we, we let's not think about metropolitan EMS systems or medium-sized EMS systems. But if we talk about ones that are housed in the police department and maybe they're doing Mm -hmm. more than one dispatch and they're policing and they're dispatching fire and they're dispatching Mm -hmm. EMS and they're dispatching police, it would be interesting and I think beneficial that there is some sort of national certification that would make dispatchers 
have knowledge on the same page as everyone else, similar to that of an EMT certification. And that doesn't mean that when I go work for Acadian or I go to work at MedStar or I go to work at Remsa in Reno, I'm not polishing my skills as an EMT. I've got a basic certification that gives me a basic subset of knowledge. And then it's up to the organization now to give me that, you know, that extra training I'm going to need to work within that system. You know, now when you start to think about, you know, we are just one call away from a mass casualty incident. We are one, uh, you know, crazy person away from a bomb being placed at the Boston Marathon. We are just one, you know, event away from a multi-jurisdictional MCI happening. And it's unfortunate, Kelly, that as I'm saying this, it gives me a little bit of chill that I've got to, you know, that we've got to think this way nowadays. But if there's an opportunity now that everyone in those mass casualty, those mass shootings, those those incidents for those dispatchers are all trained the same, that when they interact with each other, doesn't that make it a little seamless? Uh, it it should, it should. Uh, I, I think uh, where every one of these mass uh, events, uh, these mass casualty incidents or, or or critical events breaks down is in communications, and and that's that's not a slight to the dispatchers. That's just a, a acknowledgement of the reality of uh, the difficulty of managing such a large scale event, uh, and if they are going to be managed well and and run well and smoothly. Uh, it, it's going to have to start with communication. I learned that in, in researching an, a, a presentation I was doing on, on uh, disaster planning, um, exactly how intricate and detailed our communications plan for our area is and how comprehensive it is, um, which probably explains why the, the last few major events and hurricane evacuations we've had have run so smoothly compared to, say, uh, the days of Katrina. Uh, when it was when it was pretty dismal, um, but uh, I I don't know that do do public safety dispatchers or nine one one dispatchers do they have like a uh, a NIMS course specifically devoted to um, to to dispatch and communications? I know that you know we have all the NIMS uh, 100, 200, 400, whatever level courses. Um, but I, I don't know that I've ever heard of one specifically for communications. Is there one, Chris? Yeah, I'm not aware of one, but I think that that's something that we should consider in putting them in there. Let's go ahead. And her, her bill would, would hopefully, um, address you know, that way. Yeah. You know, pave the way to, towards such a thing. Well, let me ask you this question. Let's throw a little wood on this fire, Kelly. So we've seen a lot okay. of people that have come into the, you know, dispatch center, and these are folks that, uh, you know, have no experience in EMS. And I've seen a lot that have done amazing jobs. I've seen a lot in my career that once they realized what the job was about, they had some challenge and were, na- were unable to uh, complete the duties. And certainly you see that when, and again, I go back to the argument of, an EMT should have experience before they go to paramedic school only because I don't want them to go through all that training just to realize on their first pediatric arrest it's not mm-hmm. something that they want to uh, do in their life. But do we now hire the best people that we can to bring into the dispatch center 
do we get them this national certification of some type of communication uh, certification or dispatching or, you know, maybe even the NIMS training or whatever that is? And do we add a component to make them EMTs as well? I, I think you should. Uh, I, I, well, here's the thing, Chris. I don't necessarily think uh, that they should have to be EMTs. I, I do believe there should be some degree of cross-training. I think that every field and internship for a, 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 a EMS professional, EMT, advanced EMT, paramedic, should include a, a shift or two in dispatch, just to see how the other half lives. And, and so you gain a broader perspective on, on what goes on behind the console that you're not aware of. And vice versa, if you're going to work uh, uh, on a 911 console, you should get on an ambulance and understand uh, from firsthand knowledge that those are not just chess pieces on the board you're moving around. They're living, breathing human beings that are exposed to a lot of stress, worry, physical toil, and danger themselves. Um, and, and honestly, if I'm going to be absolutely honest, I, I think some of our dispatchers, not all of them, but some of the dispatchers I work with are unaware or uncaring of that fact. Um, I, I don't pretend to, to, to uh, assume that their job is easy but uh, I do think that they believe that mine is a, a lot easier than it is. Um, whether that extends to them have to be cross-trained as EMTs uh, to do their jobs effectively? No, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think they have to be able to multitask extremely well um, and, and juggle, you know, and effectively juggle chainsaws. Uh, but do they have to have the knowledge of, uh, of an EMT or a paramedic? Some people will tell you yes. Some people will tell you that that sort of knowledge is a hindrance uh, when you're applying a call to a, a verified to a, a validated uh, dispatch algorithm. Um, so I, I really don't know. I can't help but think, and this may be uh, a, a bit of get off my lawn uh, coming out, but I can't help but think that back in the day when our dispatchers were old. Uh, uh, field paramedics who had either um, gotten too old to work on the truck or just wanted to change the pace, uh, that dispatching was better. I, I'm, I believe that. Whether it's true or not, uh, I may be totally off base. Um, but I, I don't know that it's the answer is to, to mandate that sort of thing. You know, once, once upon a time, um, dispatch was, was where you went when you were a uh, a senior paramedic and you, you deserved a break and you, you couldn't handle the, the physical toll on the truck anymore, or you hurt your back or something and, and you, you, you were physically limited. Uh, so you went to work in dispatch and it was considered a promotional position and, and, and only the very best uh, and most experienced paramedics were considered. And now we've got guys manning consoles that have never set foot on an ambulance. Now my employer almost, exclusively employs EMTs and paramedics and dispatch. Um, uh, all of our dispatchers with, with very few exceptions are trained and certified as EMTs, but many of them go straight from school, uh, to the, to the communication center and never work a day on the truck. Uh, I think that's a mistake. Um, but you know, uh, I've been known to say that, uh, used to be, you'd, you'd hurt your back and they send you to dispatch. Now it's, you know, you hurt your, you hurt your brain and they send you to, this, to dispatch. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that those are, 
I think that those are interesting thoughts, and you know, the categorization of you know the uh, you know the way that dispatch used to be compared to the way it is today. I think really it comes down to the training that folks are going to the, the folks sure. are going to receive. So I do agree that you know the dispatch should be in the field to see the post movements and to see the mm-hmm. challenges with the post movements and you know to see how how we handle our day based on you know the requests that we get from our dispatch center. But then subsequently, I do think we need to be able to understand the the temperament you need to have as a call taker and certainly the ability that you're able to de-escalate and then, you know, bring people, uh, you know, get people to the point of what's going on with the call. And, you know, I've seen some great, uh, you know, de-escalation techniques to where dispatchers are getting the information that they need so they could dispatch the appropriate resource. But one of the things that I think we need to think about is, you know, if we find, and this is the way I looked at it as a leader, if I found that a dispatcher was being disrespectful to the field, uh, I dealt with that as the leader. We're all on the same yeah. team. Similar to that is if I had somebody that would call dispatch and give them a bunch of guff because they're getting a transfer, uh, I would have challenge with that as well. And I'd be talking to that paramedic to say, um, you know, this is the job of the field supervisor, and you need to talk to your field supervisor and let them be that conduit. We don't call and we don't abuse our dispatchers. We don't yeah. disrespect them. And I think that there has to be that understanding that, as you mentioned, there are real human beings that are in the truck. Well, there are real human beings that are sitting in the dispatch center and they make the decisions that they make. When when we have challenges with some of those decisions, and we're kind of getting off topic. I mean, we really we're trying to mm-hmm. talk about the categorization, but I think maybe it's a discussion that we need to have. Is that do they need more training? Did they make a mistake? Did they make a mistake by giving this unit uh, a long distance transfer? Uh, you know, with two hours left in their shift. Did they send the closest unit to the – but I think that if we're not looking at those things and we're not doing additional training, we just can't assume that they're doing it because they don't like the person who's at the other yeah. end of that radio. And I think that we have to think about that. So where we started from was do we need to categorize our dispatchers as first responders? I think the answer is yes. I think we need to give them more training. I think we need to treat them as they are part of our team. And there's no separation between dispatch and the field. And then I think we need to think about giving them some additional medical training. If they're not EMTs, if they're not paramedics, I don't know that we require that as part of hiring, but I think that there needs to be the time to go through those courses. And maybe it's not straight. I mean, maybe you take part of that once a month for six or seven months until you attain that. But I think that that has to be able to be a better, more confident individual that gives them the opportunity to deal with those uh, 911 calls a little bit better, that gives them the opportunity to understand the roles of the EMTs. EMT. So I'm all for yeah. this. I'm all for this bill. And I think that we should all think about our dispatches as our peers, that we're all on the same team. And you know what? They're first responders. We don't need a bill to tell us that they are first responders. And I'm going to say this, and you may disagree. I think they're the most important chain in the chain of survival. I, I, I don't uh, agree, but uh, that is not to say that they're an unimportant link in the chain uh, by any stretch. Uh, you know, a chain is just that. It's only as strong as its weakest link. Uh, and if communications breaks down, uh, the entire chain fails. Uh, if field care 
breaks down, the entire chain will fail. I, I, I believe it or not, agree with you in this regard. I think that, that uh, dispatchers and 911 operators are first responders, and sh- but should be recognized as such. And, I, and the, the, the message I'm getting from this, from uh, Representative Torres' uh, um, uh, efforts here is that she's trying to, to get this nationally recognized so it will, it will be the impetus for setting a national standard and, and decrease at least the, the funding and, and staffing issues that, are, that have plagued uh, her system and, and p- potentially many others around the country. I do think that her experience uh, as a dispatcher is not necessarily representative uh, of 911 operators around the country. You know, I've got a I've got a good friend who is a who is a 911 uh, operator, and uh, uh, they are pro- they are plagued by the same uh, staffing short staffing issues that many EMS field ambulances are, uh, and uh, uh, the the communication system in California, like uh, Representative Torres points out. Um, and, and many of the mistakes that, you know, I might gripe about as an ambulance uh, crewman um, are probably related to uh, that a dispatcher or a 911 operator is having to perform double duty. Uh, they're having to answer calls and handle radio traffic at the same time. And there's only so many chainsaws you can juggle before one of them uh, spins and cuts something uh, important. But my friend uh, noted that, uh, uh, how short staffed they've been lately, and that they just had a new uh, dispatcher training class uh, graduate the academy, uh, but it would probably be May or June before they're fully ready to go on their own. Now, that speaks to me like a, a great deal of training um, that, that his particular system is, is investing in their 911 operators. Uh, now, whether that's a national standard or not, I don't know, and that's probably what uh, Representative Torres is trying to accomplish with with this uh, this change in classification. But hey, that's what I think. That's what Chris thinks. We'd like to hear what you think. Are nine one one operators, first responders, should they, they be accorded the same benefits, grant opportunities, funding uh, as as uh, in the field public safety personnel? Give us your thoughts at the show at ems1.com don't forget to rate us on itunes and for myself and co-host chris sabalero thanks for tuning in to inside ems we'll catch you guys next week